But he's just a little bit wingy. Wingy. Big shout out to Wingy as well. Real hardcore. I like Wingy. Posts his predictions and things up. I like Wingy. He's good. I like people like that a little bit off the cuff. He's just the biggest boxing nut I've ever met. Came to London looking for static and ain't nobody say nothing. And he a chomp. Let's go, champ. Have a good day. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of something. Like, you guys listening to this. Welcome. Wingy's Boxing Bites episode 24. You're of a special breed. And we'll we'll get to the boxing chat in a minute, but I'm just thinking big up to you lot because you're the same consistent lot because I've had a look at the old analytics. You're the same consistent lot. You're clearly aware that I'm a couple of croissants short of the picnic basket, yet you're still rocking out with me, and I see you every week. So I just want to, I just want to start off by saying, big up. Yeah, there's been lots of talk of me, you know, oh, getting tempted by by my new game inventor and all sorts. Is he gonna, is he gonna keep doing it? Yes, as long as you keep doing the Patreon. Yes, <laughs> I'm joking. Big up to you lot. I just want to thank you lot, man for rocking out for another episode. The weeks come around quickly. Everything's set. I'm I'm, I'm a little bit... I'm not going to say push for time. Got to go. Not push for time, but I've just, just got to be careful managing the time. Done a bit of the old grocery shopping, trying to be a bit more healthy because I was supposed to be doing some... Don't laugh boxing training believe it or not i've done martial arts like five years ago that's where my name come from and i know somebody local who i'm very on very very good terms with and they stopped doing boxing i don't want to obviously give away who it is but they stopped boxing to essentially teach one-on-one courses privately like they just decided to stop very fairly young as well but they took it up again just when i'm ready ready to go all jabbed up let's not get into that we saved that talk for the after dark. Ready to go. I'm like, right, I'm ready. I'm excited. Let me lose the moves. And he's like, do you know what? I'm actually fighting pro again. Like, oh, for Christ. So at some point, and it is just really, it is just for health, just for health reasons. There's not going to be no. I do remember a while ago, and I've still got it on video, where Eddie Hearn, uh, I was interviewing Dillian White. It's a while ago now. And Eddie Hearn popped up and he said, um, now, Dillian White said you should make KSI versus Wingy back when I was doing the YouTube boxing thing, which I thought was 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 quite funny. Obviously, I get completely demolished. KSI, young lad, very fit, healthy, whatnot. Uh, not old and fat, basically. But you give me enough time to train, give me enough money, I'd, I'd do it. Or not. Some other people I'd like to give a slap to as well, but that ain't for this one. That's for the after darks. Anyway, the point is that, yeah, we're doing a bit of the old grocery shopping, trying to trying to stay healthy and whatnot. And I've been a little bit better with my boxing, although I have, again, still behind on some of the fights. It's just time. When you've got the full-time job, it's just time. But there are more of you rocking on the Patreon. I do see it. 
I'm not saying we're, we're not, not, not tons of people. Don't think we don't need to help, but a couple of you. And we have a very, very big announcement. We have a new wingy boxing champion. The first ever wingy boxing champion. We're going to reveal that toward the end. So what's on the boxing agenda this week? Dillian White's hat. Now check it out. I ain't, ain't nobody. Put it this way. It looks kind of cool when a guy who you know can spark you clean out and probably kill you with a punch wears it. It looks all right when he wears it because it's Dillian White. He can rock it. I'm sure if I walked around with that plonked on top of my noggin, I don't know. Now, I do actually want a fisherman's hat like Nas in the major look. Oh, major look. You, By the way, speaking of Nas, King's Disease 2, fantastic. Great album. Really, really good. Shout out to Lauren Hill. So... That's kind of like the story of the weekend. It ain't, it ain't. Having a little bit of fun. Speaking of which, though, did you see Coogan's interview with Dillian White? Check it out. It's the one where he's interviewing him in the, in the field and he's wearing a hat. And, uh, yeah, Coogan, man. That, like, Coogan is the master interviewer. He, I, I took tips I learned from Coogan for two years, man. So he is the master interviewer, the way he keeps people at ease. It's just you, you can't replicate it. It's Coogan, right? But you can tell he's enjoying those free bars from Eddie Hearn. Last few bumps, he's bumped. My man's been sloshed. The camera wasn't even, it was all over the show. But uh, shout out to IFL and all of us boxing people, really. We're trying to do our thing in a very niche sport where only certain figures get the certain views, so to speak, as in your Eddie Hearns, your. Should have muted that. Yeah, Eddie. Sorry, it's really annoying me. Look, look, that's the good lady, all right? Your Eddie Hearns, your Dillian Whites, and IFL is still out there doing it. And there is a limited ceiling for boxing, but I've discussed this on an after dark. I, I, after looking at several numbers of various channels, there, there is a limited ceiling. But that's for an after dark. That's not really for this one. So, yeah, where are we? What was I going to say? Uh, oh, yes, that's what I did want to mention. Frank Warren doing interviews on Sky Sports. That's a... What the... Cats living with dogs? Crossing the pro on streams? Absolutely insane. <laughs> so, now that Eddie Ann's pissed off, they're basically like, look, we can go back to Frank now. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's any imminent sign of anything... That, that's to be announced. Oh, opening up a cold can of Costa. It's not Costa at all, actually. It's Virtue Clean Energy. Sponsor me. Love this energy drink. But I thought that was quite strange, but also kind of comforting, don't you think? Like, God, Frank's back home. wonder how that worked with BT Sports as well. Well, I guess they're obviously all right of it or he wouldn't be doing it. How long is Frank... What, what is the contract situation? I need to find that out. But yeah, Frank Warren is now being interviewed on BT Sports. And speaking of Frank, we have that whole slightly weird situation of Tommy Fury fighting on Jake Paul's undercard alongside Daniel Dubois. It's weird because Daniel Dubois fighting on a YouTuber's undercard. However, business-wise, it makes perfect sense. They're building up the Tommy Fury fight against Jake Paul, which I'm getting more nervous for as time goes on, to be fair. I don't know why. I just am.
So that makes sense. Daniel Dubois gets a lot of eyes on him. So that makes sense. So people are going to be watching and getting to know our fighters. But it just seems weird, doesn't it? Like the world's gone mad, but I don't know. I don't know. And of course we had week two. I mean, what's, it just seems weird that they're fighting on the undercard is what I'm saying, but I think we've got some stuff ab- ab- about that in the news, so we will get to that. And yes, week two of Fight Camp. Good to see Ebony Bridges back. Hello, Ebony. <laughs> Hi. I interviewed her once, you know. She follows me on Instagram. Good to see Ebony Bridges back doing her damn fang. We'll talk about that fight, of course, as is per standard when we get to the fights portion of the of the podcast. But it wasn't just, uh, obviously, Ebony Bridges back. We've got Babich, Webb Wardley, and all of these fights we are going to go into extreme, absolutely insane detail on. So stay cool, keep your keep your hat on, and get ready for that. Uh, oh yes, the Kebab Awards. They are going to be this year, provided I continue to do podcasts. And I'm not saying it. Listen, do you know what it is? It's just like, what is it? I think my brain. I, I get excited when when I've got something new to do, and then I think. Mm, could do a bit more support, do you know what I mean? But then again, maybe it's me being greedy. Because as I say, I look around at other boxing stuff and everybody's relative to their size is just not, it's not doing massive. And I do blame a lot of that on the overall narrative of boxing with the whole situation of Fury Joshua falling apart. That was bad. And then and then Fury Wilder on, off, on, off. Now it's on, but that, that was all a mess as well. And Jake Paul Floyd, it's just... I don't know. I think that all affected things. So, yeah, while I'm still here, I'm still here. So I guess the, I guess the more support you guys show, the more I'll keep rocking. So shout out to the Wingy Boxing World Champion, which we will get to. Anyway, the Kebab Awards, that I do plan to re- bring them back at the end of the year. Um, those of you who are from the old school, you know what the Kebab Awards are about. Those of you who are new... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no need to laugh. You, you, you'll find out. Really, it's just, just awards. Really, kind of silly now, but been a bit of a break, so we'll be returning then. Base, basically, year-end boxer awards. All right, I'm just having a little bit of fun. Let me have some more of this energy drink to just nurse the caffeine pills. Cool. And one more thing, just a, I'll definitely save this for the After Dark, all right? Which is a certain Patreon tier. After Dark, by the way, when I keep mentioning that, it's a additional podcast that I do twice a month of boxing topics, but the kind of stuff that I don't really want to go out in the public feeds, but I will mention this in the After Dark. But I saw a previous situation that I was involved in and I went back and had a look for the first time in, in a long time. And I saw that there's me sitting there moaning, oh, we should have more patrons. Oh, I want more supporters. Oh, I want more. And then I saw how they're doing. And it's not, a, I thought, oh, be grateful, innit? We're all 
Just, just, just be grateful. Part of me did gloat inside, but then do you know what I thought? What would Ebony Bridges do? Let's find out. Let's go to the fights. Cool fight camp. Fight camp number two. Fight camp number two. God, I think people are getting paid off for those 750 quid tickets, Eddie. Eddie Earn, Eddie Earn, Eddie Earn. Saw a few empty seats. Can't blame them. 750 quid. God, could you do with that? Get yourself an Xbox, Xbox One X and a PlayStation with that. Could you? Not quite, almost. Anyway, Jazza Dickens versus Kid Galahad card. And remember, people. As I always say, check in the descriptions for the timestamps. Skip to the part of the podcast that you want to go to, be it straight to the news, be it straight to the topic of the week, which is um, how far can Alan Babich go? So check out the timestamps if you want to go to a particular part. All right, nice and easy for you. Right, let's get on to the fights on this card, of course, culminating with Jazza Dickens versus Kid Galahad. So Ebony Bridges versus Bet Colony. Ebony 1-5, knocked out two, lost one. Got up against Bet Connolly, 1-3, knocked out nine, lost nine. Ebony Bridges, of course, infamous now for the fight with Shannon Courtney, uh, where Ebony's eye uh, grew to the size of a golf ball, Great fight, really good fight, and everybody wants a sequel. I did see a, well, rematch, I should say. It's not, it's not a film, is it, Daniel? No, it's not. I did see a quote from Ebony Bridges saying, oh, I know they're not going to give it to me. So I don't know what's going on there, why she feels she's not going to get the rematch. I don't know. I mean, what, because it was a difficult fight? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't really, I, I, I can't say I, I know Shannon personally but i can't see she seems like a fighter to me but who knows anyway let's talk about this particular fight and then we can discuss the possibility of that rematch in the future first round bridges just needs to sort of loosen up a little she seems a bit rigid but good aggression Connolly's more uh reactive i thought although landing on the close exchanges so she's getting through second round Connolly's trying to smother inside but as she keeps reaching to grab she gets clipped it's it's, it's almost like a video game. You know, like when a character, like if you try to press the grab button in Fight Night and it's like, rrr, rrr, and then you keep trying to grab the opponent and they keep moving out of the way. It was a little bit like that with Connolly. And as she was reaching, she was getting caught on the inside. A massive right overhand blow in the third round marks the sort of opening up of technique from Bridges. She The first few rounds, she was a little bit, like I said, a, a, a bit tight. But then she sort of loosens up in the third round, starts throwing the overhand rights, a lot of confidence, a little bit more head movement. And then afterwards in the actual interview, she did say for the first two rounds, we did want to try and bust her up to the body, but she was holding a lot. So we just went straight to the second phase of the plan, which you saw play out beautifully. Those overhand rights that she throws, the technique is beautiful. Really, really, really nice. And then it's a right short uppercut and hook after a right hand, which drops Connolly. She does make it up. Then a right hand over the top, then a straight left. Same sort of combination that dropped her before referee steps in. I love the um, flick of the switch in the third where she starts to almost turn up visibly looking for that stoppage. And I like the fact that when she chooses to execute a game plan against an opponent of a certain level, she can do it and get them out of there 
when she chooses to. So it's exciting to see where Ebony's going to go. Remember, she's only like six fights in, really, isn't it? Six fights in, seven fights in. So early, early in, in the career. But yeah, attracts a lot of attention. Everybody watches her for whatever reason they choose to. And she can actually effing fight as well. So shout out to her. Johnny Fisher versus Danny Whittaker. Heavyweights. Johnny, one, two, not two, lost none. Going up against Danny, one, four, not none, lost three. Good confidence start from Fisher. He's walking forward. There's no real response back from Whittaker. So it's easy for Fisher to try any kind of offense that he really feels. It's a good opening for Johnny. I saw a body shot whipped in there. The jab did pop a few times from Johnny, but Whitaker's body language backing up kind of encouraged Johnny just to go and lead with big leading shots uh, without thinking too much about a jab to set anything up. Because when Whitaker's crouching back like that, it just kind of G's Johnny up, so to speak. Whitaker's down twice in the second round. Big overhand poles. One, two down the middle, boom, that's it. Second was a well-placed right. The third was a, these are the knockdowns. The third knockdown was a barrage. Referee's seen enough, waved off. I like Johnny. So far, he's doing everything he needs to. You, you can't really gauge too much because of the opponent, but doing everything he needs to. Looks quick, seems fine. Let's see what happens when she, when she starts to get pushed back. And remember, we are literally two fights in, so let's all go eat. Let's all chill. Right, fan favourite, Alan Babich, going up against Mark Bennett. Alan, one seven, not at seven, lost none. Mark, one seven, not at one, lost one. Ferocious first round for Babich. He caught, he's caught early with a couple of rights, actually, from Bennett. And the story from Bennett was quite interesting. He's a soldier, seemed like a former soldier, seemed like a really down-to-earth guy in the matchroom interviews. But uh, yeah, yeah, he does manage to actually get through in the first round. But Babich swings, that they seem more tight. And the techniques on Alan Hook's, on Alan's hook that they exhibit much more snap to them. So already there's a a power discrepancy. Uh, there's a speed discrepancy from Mark, which, which is quite noticeable. Bennett is getting clobbered, really getting clumped, like the mouthpiece is out several times. And this is this is like round one. It starts off like crazy. He doesn't, Bennett doesn't have the speed to throw in between Babich's hooks. <laughs> Stumble then. Babich's. Babbitt's hooks. Allen's hooks. So in other words, he can't go hook for hook. In the second round, Babbitt is taking um, his time, thinking about the long jab and getting caught a little bit, but the shots aren't affecting him. But they are landing. However, in round two, Bennett is looking absolutely shattered. Credit to him for cracking on. It's only round two. Um, uh, Barrett survives the third round. He's got a really, really good chin. Just taking really hard shots. Is, and he has the same sort of deadpan facial expression, like almost like Frankenstein. Like, oh, boom, oh, boom. It's like, it's not affecting him. Um, Bennett is now just absorbing shots, really taking hard punishment from Babich, who's just unloading with hooks whenever he gets up close. Clearly he's got a chin, but... This could get dangerous. That's what I'm starting to think, the way he's taking these fights. It's a good fight for Babich, but special shout-out to Bennett, who took some serious, serious firepower. Babich's punches are just clean enough and his engine's strong enough to punch with Bennett and to be quicker. So when Bennett's leaning back and taking that breather, Allen's quick hooks on the inside are, are, are enough to... Are enough to um, to stop him 
so to speak. So I'm just looking at something. It's actually knocked him out in a in a well retired on the stall. Bennett did corner pulled him out in the fifth round. I actually thought it went went longer than that. I thought it was a ten round fight. No. Uh, yes, regardless, Babbage gets the stop gets the retirement. I noticed Alan. Remember, he's got good technique. He's got this perception of being some wild brawler, and that's because he's very he's facing level of opponent, and he's a very confident guy that he does go forward and has, has no issue with that kind of style. But if you actually look at points in the fight, he's actually stepping back, boxing quite nicely, light on his feet, only occasionally. But at some points, if you if you're observing and trying to analyze. And remember, he's got a decent amateur experience, Alan. I think a lot of people forget that. And you could you could see him boxing nicely uh, at certain points in the fight. Really good. But that's what you want to see from the toolbox when he finally does go up and face better opposition. And, of course, how far can Alan Babich go is the topic of the week, the big bite, which we will get to afterwards. Fabio Wardley versus Nick Webb. Fabio, 111, knocked out 10, lost none. Nick, 117, knocked out 13, lost two. Wardley is the English heavyweight champion. Webb comes out fast behind the jab, just a busy bludgeoning approach and catches Wardley twice, who's just trying to reset and tying up. He's he's looking to get control of Webb's fast start. It's a very even fight, to be honest, until the, when I say fight, <laughs> only last one round. It's a very even round until the last 40 seconds where Webb is caught with a quick right hook while backing up uh, on the ropes. Now, I know it's a clear distinction between Webb's effectiveness as soon as he's forced to back up. Just seems a little bit lost defensively as soon as he's forced to back up. And there was a point in the fight where Wardley does that little dip that he does, the kind of Mayweather star where he's dipping and Babbitt, um, sorry, Webb is missing him. And then off the back of that, Webb almost has to reset in his head like, oh shit, okay, my forward momentum ain't working now because he's dipping out of the way. Let me just back up a little bit and get a breather. And that backing up was all that Wardley needed, the, the, the encouragement to go forward. Plus, Wardley's quite unorthodox as well. So when he's throwing his punches from these weird flipping angles and whatnot, it's a lot for Webb, who's not a basic fighter, but it, you know what you're going to get with Webb, big bludgeoning punches. Anyway, Webb's caught at the end of the first round. The ropes are keeping him up. Uh, a very nervy, panicky ref waves it off. Wardley's a savage finisher. So it's likely, he you know, Wardley would have ended it regardless. I ain't going to say that. But yeah, uh, referee definitely should have given him a count. But it is what it is. There wasn't too much protesting from Webb. Webb was coming off a really good win. So, and I kind of feel sorry for, I mean, shout out to Wardley. I just kind of feel sorry for Webb because, you know, many people said he can do it. I interviewed Webb after that win and he was like, this is my time now. And, you know, <laughs> You kind of think, poor fella, especially in that first round like that. But it is what it is. It's boxing. Ain't no time to feel sorry for people in boxing. As somebody never, as, as, as nobody ever said to me, in all fairness. Kid Galahad versus Jazza Dickens. This is it. Vacant IBF featherweight title. Kid 127, not 16, lost one. Jazza 130, not 11, lost three. In the first round, Dickens had the early timing of Galahad with the left hand that kept sneaking through, feints and movements from Galahad, just trying to see, uh, trying to read Jazza's timing. The third round, 
you see a noticeable shift in Galahad's timing and patience where Jazza seems a little more frantic reaching in, although he is still popping that left, which is landing against Galahad. By the sixth round, Jazza's got a cut eye and nose and Galahad, is, it, Galahad isn't dominating, but he's just chipping away more effectively, just reading Jazza with more ease now. Galahad's subtle footwork and uh, in, in the later rounds is the key for me. He's just stepping back, pinging. It's really subtle, effective stuff. Nice to watch. In the 10th round, Galahad by now has methodically just upped the tempo of his combinations and punches and is hurting Jazza. Jazza is always in the fight until the last few rounds where it does seem you, you can see the skill gap um, widen. Now, Jazza is cut up, busted up, and you know Galahad is also fighting against the referee who clearly doesn't like him for whatever reason, talking about feet, and I don't know, I just think he had an issue with him. Regardless, that was enough or even dodgy, su- suspected possible dodgy, ju- do- dodgy judges. Dodgy judges. I'm not saying there were. What I'm saying is that Galahad didn't he leave that for any... It didn't... What was I looking for? Didn't leave it to the judges. Although he didn't get the stoppage as such, he applied so much pressure in that 11th round by methodically, definitively breaking down Jazza, just slow chipping away throughout the 11 rounds. No punches were overly damaging. It was just a real consistent piecing, like one-two piecing up of a fighter. And Jazza's face is a bloodied mess by the end of it. And yeah, he gets the win. It was, it was just bad to watch. I think the corner sensibly called it off for Jazza. Galahad is the new IBF featherweight champion. And big Eddie Hearn is talking unification things. So let's see what happens with that cool right let's get to the topic of the week alan babich the savage how far can he go well we're going to discuss it aren't we and hopefully come to some kind of conclusion let's really do this let's get into it alan babich this is the Eternal mystery. Kind of like the Joe Joyce mystery uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. This is the eternal mystery. How far can he actually go? Alan. Alan Babbage currently one eight, not to eight, lost nine. I think we had a mailbag question about this uh, a few months ago, a month or so ago. And I just want to revisit it in particular because he went up against an opponent who was supposed to give him a little bit more of a tougher fight. And they actually did, which in a weird way makes it all the more interesting to sit and analyse. So first of all, I think the most important thing to recognise is that Babbage is fun to watch. That's the most important thing. We only analyse these things because we're boxing fans. We're boxing heads, right? We want to, you know, we just want to have a chat about it. <laughs> right. That's why we analyse. At the end of the day, it don't really bloody matter, really, does it? We sit back, we watch it, we love it. But when we're looking at it and the mystery of Alan Babbage, we can try and delve into things a little bit more to see how far he can go. So I think the interesting thing is that he faced, as even Dillian said and many said, conceded, he faced his first big determined guy, right? And it took him uh, five rounds, the five rounds to do it, as opposed to the usual Three. Why did I think it? I still think it's like eight rounds. That doesn't seem right to me. I don't know if Box Road got that right. I really feel like it went eight rounds. Let me have a just quick look at something. 
Chris, come on now. Come on now. Boxing, um, box rec never normally get it run, wrong, do they? Uh, yeah, no, it's a fifth round. It's a fifth round. I don't know. It just seemed... Just seemed, I don't know, just seemed as if it was longer than that. But I guess it's because he passed the third round and I'm like, oh my God, he's gone past the third round, Babbage. Anyway, so yeah, he faces his first guy who many said, well, he was bigger and wanted to see if he could actually extend Savage, so to speak. And he actually did. And that makes it interesting. Uh, interesting. I think Bennett's chin and heart is probably underrated. I've actually many standing up to that kind of onslaught and those kind of shots. There were some serious shots that Bennett was taking. He's got a cast iron chin. Didn't go down for none of them. So I don't know if it's a case of thinking, and we have to obviously discuss this possible scenario, but I don't know if, if it's a case of thinking, right, Alan's gone up against his first opponent who's a little bit better than the others who's a bit more determined and look, it's gone past the three rounds. It's gone to five rounds this time. And Alan got caught a bit in it. And that's just in a modest step up. Do we have issues here? The reason I think that might not be the case, because I think Bennett was actually a lot better than uh, he, he seemed on paper. Like technique wise, of course, as discussed in the, uh, uh, as discussed in the breakdown, technique wise, Alan was the, sharper fighter like the, the the better hooks placing the the better punches but it's like heart wise and chin Bennett really like gave a good showing of himself so I guess the point I'm trying to say is that I don't think it's a case of oh when his first step up look Babbage is having quote issues I just think Bennett was a lot better now, of course, like and when we're asking the question, how far can Babbage go? Of course, like any heavyweight, especially being a smaller one, he can always lose DO. So it's not so much about is he going to get for the rest of his career undefeated? How many heavyweights do? Hardly any, if any, hardly any, right? And of course, in portions of the Bennett fight, you could see that Allen could actually box and like when he was moving on his toes, backing up. And we forget that, as I mentioned in the fight review. And it's those tools there where you just see him switching things around a bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's those tools there which you want to see on display when he steps it up. And I noticed Dillian talking to Maya Jamalama, Amalama Lama, saying that I'm telling Alan that I want him to use the jab more. I want him to box more. And he says, no, I don't need to do all of that. Blah, blah, blah. I think I like to think that a lot of it is not for show, but behind the scenes, they're saying, right, we get the idea. Yeah. The warrior, but seriously, let's start working on the jab. Let's start preparing for when a fight, um, uh, when a heavyweight is going to be able to take that and extend, like extend you. And I think any sensible coaching team, he's got Dillian White, is going to be saying that as Dilly did say in public. So if they do incorporate those different tools into the whole Alan Babbage set, interesting. Of course, we've got a little, in other words, he could do a, he, he could go on to do well if there's extra 
tools in the armory as opposed to just going forward. And we got a little glimpse of the chin in the Bennett fight, right, where he took a few. So that seemed decent. Yes, Bennett isn't the heaviest hitter, but he, he took some clumps from a big guy. Now, I interviewed him and asked him about facing a long boxer with a jab. He doesn't even. He didn't even consider it an issue. In fact, I think he gave me an example. He gave me an example. Uh, wasn't Hergovic, was it? No, he gave me an example in the amateurs where he easily had no issues with somebody with a jab, and he said he'd fight somebody like a David Price, who's got that jab. He wants any any you know any kind of fight, a- any kind of fight like that to prove people wrong who say that. Oh, he's not going to be able to box past a jab, or what happens when someone starts punching back? So he is cognizantly, if that's the right term, actually aware of those criticisms. My main concern is a lower tier, but gutsy as fuck heavyweight, did manage to cause him issues and take him out of his usual stride for a little bit. And remember, it was the corner that actually pulled Bennett out. Yes, Bennett was out of it, but it was the corner that, 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 that pulled him out. And at some point, somebody is going to stand up to the blows, right? We can't keep saying, oh, it's going to get, you know, at some point it's going to happen. So how far can he go? I guess the answer is it depends on the matchmaking. And that seems like a cop-out, but it's true, isn't it? I'm only talking facts. Like he could be a world champion if if he's matched right, depending on what happens with Joshua and Fury, uh, Joshua and Usyk after they fight, if they don't want to do the mandatories anymore and give up the belts or whatnot. And then uh, uh, Charles Martin manages to pick up a belt again or something. And then you're chucking Allen in it. Do you get what I'm saying? So it depends on the matchmaking. Me personally, I'd like a, uh, like, like a, a, a Tony Yoka, maybe. Maybe that might be a bit too much, but, but maybe like a Huey Fury. These are good fights. I guess before those type of fights, Fabio Wardley or Dave Allen, but I'd like to see Fabio Wardley, Dave Allen, and like a Huey Fury for Allen. And that's assuming he gets past Fabio Wardley. I guess you'd say Dave Allen, Fury, Fury, and Fabio Wardley. I don't know. But when you think about where Allen could go against those type of styles, Fury is a really interesting one. Allen is probably just going to be a swing out. But Fury is a really interesting one because of Fury's style. You, and again, it's that difficult thing. People think it's too early. How can you be discussing these kind of fights? Well, what are we going to do? Keep saying the same shit every time he fights. I don't know. How far can he go for me? It depends on the matchmaking. If Guy did correctly, easily European champion to me. In fact, it kind of reminds me of like a drug-free Erkan Tepper. You know, remember Erkan Tepper who knocked out David Price and went on to do his thing? Like that kind of aggressive forward, come forward style. God, that Price knockout of Erkan Tepper. Jesus. Just getting flashbacks. Starting to get a bit nervy now after remembering that. Christ, where's the, where's the energy drink? How far? European, yeah, I can see that. Just needs to add some few tricks and tips along the way before he makes that blueprint too predictable. Can he go further than that? Yes, if guided correctly. What do you think? Let me know what you think, think about the big topic, the big bite, which I just discussed. Was that a satisfactory answer or was I sitting on the fence? It, it does depend on... Excuse me. It does depend on the matchmaking for me. Let me know. Email me, wingy at email.com, uh, and I'll read your, your response out. Or just generally let me know your thoughts. Cool. Right. No wingy's bag this week, just due to time, unfortunately. Couldn't put the 
feelers out for any questions this week, but hopefully she'll be back next week. So we're going to get straight to the news. No messing. Let's do it. Galau Yafai! Overwhelmed winning the gold Tokyo Olympics. Shout out to shout out to Galau. Galau, that oh man, he said, oh, just happy for him. Being an Olympic champion is something I've always wanted to do. I'm Olympic champion now and I'm over the moon. I've worked hard. I took up boxing and thank God it worked out for me. I trained hard, gave it everything and it just shows if you work hard, you can get the rewards. My friends, family, brothers will be over the moon. Everyone back in Birmingham. The support I've had has been ridiculous. I just want to say a big thanks to everyone who supported me. It's overwhelming. I'm just so grateful. Brings a smile to your face, and it? Brings a smile to your face. Go and check out the rest of that boxing scene article where Galau speaks a little bit more. Shout out to Ron Lewis. Galau speaks a little bit more. I don't want to read it all out because I want you guys to go and give it a click. But he's the first boxer from Birmingham to win gold since Harry Thomas. Your five became the fourth. Do you know what? Don't, Daniel. Don't. Leave it. Go and click. The article, but shout out to Galau. Big up Galau. Big up Galau. Big up Galau. Frank Warren has a little bit of chat, a bit of a chat about Tommy and Dubois. Uh, t- Tommy Fury and Dubois hitting the state, <laughs> hitting the states. It's just a weird thing, but I get it. I do get it. I do get it. Oh, it's Frank Warren. Shout out to Frank Warren for boxing scene. Um, let's have a look. Let's get a good quote quickly here. I think this is in- interesting. Uh, I've been asked, this is Frank Warren directly. I've been asked on a fairly frequent, I've been asked on a fairly frequent occasions. Okay, well, I'm not going to assume that's Frank Warren's typo. I'm going to assume that boxing scenes. I've been asked on a fairly frequent occasions over the last couple of years to offer up a few sound bites on the emergence of YouTube boxing. I would imagine the inquisitors expected a pretty robust negative response from a grizzled old timer like myself. And I won't lie, it isn't particularly my cup of tea. What I have insisted all along is that I have absolutely no issue with any young people, celebrities or not, whipping themselves into shape and having a bash at boxing. If they can make a truckload of money doing so, good for them. So I'm in no way anti-Jake Paul. Goes on to talking about some other stuff, and then he gets to the part which I found particularly interesting, the juxtaposition of sticking his fighters on this bloody card. In the case of Tommy jumping on a Jake Paul card makes perfect sense. The pair have been circling each other with intent on social media, and if it can be done, it looks like a match made in cyberspace. They both bring big numbers to the table, with Tommy's profile having grown enormously since his summer of love on Love Island and Jake via his YouTube platform and subsequent venture into the fight game. Adding Tommy to this show against Jake's sparring partner, Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor, will kind of test the waters ahead of, a ten- ahead of a potential showdown, and it will doubtless be lively having them in the same room together during a fight week build-up. It will be, and it makes sense. That's what I'm saying. There's me like, oh, it's weird. It's strange. I don't like it. Yeah, but it makes sense. So shut the... F- Kel Brook, let's get it, he says to Amir Khan. Damn, man, this fight. This fight. I mean, it's Kelbrook and Amir Khan. This is from my glory years of when I was out and about doing the interviews. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Damn. But of course, I mean, I'd watch the fight. And for all the people who moan about it, crap fight, they'll watch it. Shut the fuck up. Excuse my language. Go on, really getting into it. Please be quiet. You're going to watch the fight. You're going to watch the fight. Uh, Brooks says... I've been quiet because there's more of a chance of it happening then, said Kelbrook to IFL TV. 
Uh, but yes, he wants to fight. When I'm loud, listen, that's the fight that's happening. Get to it. Can't listen, put it on a little contract and we're there. There's a lot of talks this year. It's happening. It's got to happen, said Brooke. I mean, uh, let's see what Khan has said about this. Both of these guys identified that fight as maybe the only fight for them, Eddie said to IFL. I'd like to see Conor Ben in that mix as well. The issue that you're going to have there, and this is me interjecting now, is the, oh, shout out to Boxing News, uh, Barry Holbrook. Go and check that out, please. Boxing News 24. The main issue that you're going to have there is who is going to want to be the A side. It would seem to me to be Khan, really. But whether that, whether Brooke would agree with that or whether that is who really should be the A side, I don't know. Just Khan with his TV show, I generally perceive Khan to have a bigger profile. Um, so hopefully that, hopefully that should be something that should be able to get past. I think I can't see Kelbrook being a diva in that kind of way. Really? No. Okay, cool. What have we got here? Right. <coughs> Excuse me. There's something going on uh, with a fight over the weekend, which I didn't manage to catch. Shout out to Phil J. World Boxing News. WBA president orders score review, ignores corruption and racism allegations. going to read quite a little bit of this because this is quite serious. Phil J., under pressure from fans and a media, that should be and, under pressure from fans and media, Mendoza broke his silence almost 24 hours after the fight between Mikkel Fox and Gabriel Mast concluded. The response from Mendoza came after allegations of corruption brought calls for an investigation into the sanctioning body and to add insult to injury, racist tweets got uncovered from one of those judging. None of this got addressed by Mendoza in his offering of a review. Um, Maestre versus Fox, the review of the fight was ordered immediately. Based on a preliminary scorecard received, indicate a direct rematch could be ordered, said the WBA head. The judges, who were also accepted by Minnesota Commission, will be interviewed individually. By the time Mendoza had issued his intervention, damaging tweets from Gloria Mendez Rizzo, the wife of highly ranked WBA executive, had been circulating on social media and by WBN. World Boxing News also sent... Gilberto Mendoza these tweets directly of all the evidence provided to allow him to make an informed decision. In this case, Mendoza chose not to mention the fact that Rizzo had made such a disgusting views public. They included calling the former first lady of the United States monkey face. You can't really get much more racist than that, really. It's pretty on the nose, pretty blatant, that one, isn't it? Uh, it goes on, so go and check that out. I haven't actually seen the fight, but uh, fuck that judge, to be fair. So she can do one. I hope she gets sacked. Uh, that's my view on that, if you don't mind. Anyway, that is, uh, that's brought the mood down that, hasn't it? Let's talk about Caleb Plant, bad mouth and Canelo Alvarez. There we go. Everybody loves a bit of that, don't they? Caleb Plant, bad mouth and Canelo Alvarez over here moving off to September the 18th date. Big up Boxing News 24. Shout out. Caleb Plant came out of the woodwork on Saturday to react to Canelo Alvarez choosing to push back his September the 18th Mexican Independence Day. Let's see what Caleb Plant says. First of all, if you know Caleb Plant's story, then you're going to have a little bit of sympathy for him. It's all too easy to rush in there, hating, dissing, lol, Caleb Plant, lol, you're going to get knocked out. But shout out to him for his story, man. And he's always going to have a, I'm always going to have a soft spot and be rooting for him naturally because of his story, right? Go and look at it. I don't want to, we've already brought things down. I don't want to, do you know what I'm saying? Just go and look at it. As for his chances, what well, is Canelo, right? My favourite fighter, your favourite fighter, isn't it? But let the boy at least have a chance for crying out loud before everybody writes him off. 
So, Boxing News 24, Sean Jones. Shout out to Sean Jones. Remember to go and click and check out the full article. What's have we got a quote from Connor? Let's see what we've got from Caleb. Uh, Caleb Plant came out of nowhere on Saturday to react to Canelo Alvarez choosing to push back his September the 18th Mexican Independence Day for the third consecutive year by choosing to fight in November instead. Plant pointed out that Canelo and his team have failed to take responsibility for their part in their inability to set up fights on the Mexican Independence Day for the third consecutive year. Plant says Canelo is making it seem like his opponents have been ducking him for three years rather than it being a situation where Alvarez and his team have failed to do their part. Caleb Plant, let's read his actual tweet. For the third year in a row, for a date that's not reserved for him, at what point... Oh, sorry. For the third year in a row, for a date that's reserved for him, at what point is it not everyone else's fault and at what point does it fall on the hands of him and his team? You mean every opponent they've tried to book for the last three years is just ducking? Laughing emoji face, chill. I mean, yeah, but the 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 the, the, the thing about that is that the, the the actual negotiations between him and Canelo fell apart anyway, so it's kind of a bit moot, really. It's like you didn't. You, I'm not saying it's anybody's fault, but you didn't manage to agree to the fight. From the last that I heard, it, Caleb wasn't happy with Canelo's demands on with regards to injury and fighters stepping in and rematches and all sorts. And it's just like for fuck's sake. Another one of those things which annoys you about the sport. So I don't know, Caleb. You should have just left that one alone, bro. Should have just left that one alone, man. If you don't mind me offering, I just think you should have left that one alone. Luke Santamaria beats Devin Alexander, who's still out there doing it. Michael Conlon, of course, beats TJ Doherty. I haven't um, actually seen that fight. It's one I just want to see. Conlon versus Doherty. I did want to see that. Just didn't have time to get around to seeing it, unfortunately. Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk. Tickets sold out within the first 24 hours are going on sale like there's no pandemic. I'm just having a laugh. Look, hey, I, I wouldn't go to it. Not because I don't, I just, you know. But anyway, it sold out, so that's good. All good. And hopefully Joshua versus Usyk can let's give a bit of zip, zip, zip injection back into the sport on the mainstream level. Us lot are always going to love the sport. We're all going to find fights. But I think when we step out of our bubble, like I said earlier, you know, it's it's. It, I think the sport needs something like this. Now, is it a given that Joshua's going to win this fight? I don't think it is at all. But everybody that I speak to seems to have Joshua knocking Usyk out. I just think Usyk's tricky, awkward. Oh, oh, God, imagine if he... Oh, man. Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. As it gets closer, I get more nervous. Let me know. Obviously, I mean, we're going to properly talk about it anyway as the fight gets closer, of course. Okay, there's a few more boxing results, but nothing I don't think anyone's going to be massively interested in. Uh, WBA president aims to reduce the number of titles and hopes to start in October. Yeah, I saw very briefly that he said, look, I'm not really happy about this, to be honest. I, I think it gives fighters more of an opportunity. But if you lot are bloody moaning about it, all right, I'll do it. I'll reduce them. <laughs> in essence, is what he's saying. So, And, of course, you've got Boxing News on their crusade of um, making everybody uh, bow to their whims of the transnational. <laughs> I'm only joking. I, I think they're doing a good thing, Boxing News. I'm just, just winding somebody up. I don't know who, really. It's not you. You're listening. It's not Matt Christie. He's definitely not listening. But, yeah. 
boxing news that have got their own thing. Have I read the article yet? No, and it's probably been over a month now. I will get to it. I'm five boxing news magazines down. Somebody remind me to read them because I'm really slipping. And besides John Fury talking about Jonte Wilder's chicken legs and Michael Hunter stopping Mike Wilson in the fourth round of the Triller Fight Club main event with Chris Algieri getting a win as well. Shout out to Chris Algieri, Chris the nutritionist Algieri. Look, Chris Algieri, you'd have been very proud of the vegetable broth I made today, Mike. He got a win. Michael Hunter got a win. We all move on. I think that's pretty much it for the news. So let's get to next weekend's fights. And then we are out of this mother. Let's roll. Cheers. Next weekend's fights, Tulsa. Joshua Franco versus Andrew Maloney. 12 rounds for Franco's WBA regular. See you go, WBA. I'm going to call Matt Christie. For Franco's WBA regular junior bantamweight title. Nobody really else on the card there. I think you are really going to be that interested in Maybe, maybe not. August the 14th, Los Angeles Showtime. John Rio Casimero versus Guillermo Rigondo. You're definitely interested in Riggy. I know that. 12 round for Casimero's WBA bantamweight title and Rigondo's WBA regular bantamweight title. Uh, Antonio Russell. Oh, Rashi Warren. Rashi Warren. Okay, he's there. He's back. Versus Damian Vasquez. 10 round bantamweight. And of course, August the 14th. Oh, no, not yet. Hold on. Virgil Ortiz Jr. versus... Edigas Kavaliskis, 12 rounds welterweights. Roger Gutierrez versus Rene Alvado. Row, 12 rounds for Gutierrez's WBA, regular junior lightweight title. Uh, there's a couple of others on there. Nobody really standing up. Pablo sees okay. No, he's still rocking, doing his thing. And Brentwood Essex. The fight starts now. You think I could do it? The fight starts. I can't. Couldn't even do it. Burnt at the base. Joshua Buatzi versus Richard Belotnik's actually a very good fight. Don't sleep on it if you just if you don't necessarily know Belotnik's. Good fight. I'm hoping to see a really good fight. I've said good fight. Can I say good fight 24 times before the end of good fight, good fight, good fight? Don't do it. Michael McKinson versus Oh McKinson, he's back. Versus Premier Ronowski. Couldn't get that. I did try my best. Raymond Ford versus Reese Belotti. Okay, Savannah Marshall versus TBA. Savannah's back. Wicked. Ukashi Farouk. Oh, Kash Farouk. Mm. Versus TBA. Felix Cash versus TBA. Natasha Jones versus TBA. Hopey Price. Do we know the opponents of those yet? Or am I a little bit late? Have I got that from ESPN? Uh, let's have a quick look. Just so I'm giving you the right information. You don't want to be uh, out here. My pants down in particular, do we? And then on the uh, depending on the situation. So let's have a look at the actual events and go to match room to see that quite harrowing picture of Vladimir Klitschko mid pose getting his face punched. Uh, they time that right, didn't they? God, but Klitschko, ever, I bet every day Klitschko wakes up and has a look at the old match room website, see what's going on. He's like, oh God, can you change that picture? All right, he doesn't. He doesn't. Cash Farouk's going up against Luis Geraldo Castillo. Hopey Price is going up against Claudio Grand. Raymond Ford is going up against Reese Bellotti. 
and there is no Savannah Marshall. That's why I thought it was strange when I said it. So this is the real one. Joe Cordino going up against Joshua Hernandez. Cool. All good. All good. That is pretty much it. That is pretty much it. We have a new wingy boxing world champion. I should have thought in advance what to do. Some kind of tune. Oh, bloody hell. Definitely don't knock things over. That's because I was extending my arms like an actual mallet, idiot. Shout out to Tommy Temper. Big up to you, G. Big up to you. Thank you for being the first wingy boxing world champion. You, of course, have access to everything. All those early, grisly, grimy, after-dark podcasts where I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, and talking about IFL and whatnot. you got all of them, every wingy boxing live that I've done. You've got access to everything, the archives, a, a, a veritable smorgasbord of wingy. And I want to thank you for your support. It means so much. And you also get yourself a wingy boxing T-shirt made fresh to order by UK Prince. Check your email, Tommy. I emailed you a couple of days ago, mate. You ain't responded yet. Check your email. You have got that. And you also get a mystery brand new wingy related prize. Might stick in, might stick in too as well. So basically you've got a little package coming with three things in it, as well as all the massive stuff access to in the Patreon. So shout out to you, Tommy. It means so much. Now, Tommy Temper does actually have a YouTube channel. I want to shout that out, but there's several Tommy Tempers out there and I don't want to shout the wrong, wrong one out. So let me have a quick look. Oh, I've got to big you up, Tommy. There's just several Tommy Tempers out there. Oh, no, I can't even see it. It's not even coming up now. No, it's not coming up. Uh, what I will do, if you're listening, Tommy, Give me the link to the actual correct YouTube channel because there are several. And uh, I will either put a link in the description here or shout it out next week. Either way, thank you for your support, Tommy Temper. And of course, Gavin M, super supporter. Big up to you, Gavin. Thank you for rocking out. Claire S, the, the first lady of Wingy Boxing. Thank you very much, madam. You're very kind. I appreciate you. White collar champion. Rory M, wingy boxing kebab champion. Shout out to you, Rory. I appreciate you, my man. And I know you would have rocked and got a T-shirt, but you've already got one. One of my, I've spoke about it before. I'll speak about it again. Every now and then, Rory, I play some soft music. I go into my phone and I look at that picture of you posing in front of the, the picture of Canelo when he was in bloody America somewhere. And what was you wearing? A wingy boxing T-shirt. I'll never forget that. Rory, mate. So thank you for being a kebab champion and thank you all the patrons at the lower tier. You are basically kind of keeping the podcast going. If I'm being honest, that might sound harsh, but you kind of are. And of course, if you're not a patron, if you're leaving a like, if you're spreading the word and if you're commenting on the iTunes, giving me five stars, nothing less then you are keeping the podcast going as well. Cause there's no point doing a podcast. If there's nobody else, man, and there is, and it's you guys, so big up. Remember, check out the Patreon for as little as £1. Loads of benefits to weekly live show, just like the old days. Loads of UK Wing Chun student content. There is literally tons of stuff up there. It is, in my humble opinion, 
the best boxing Patreon value for money. And of course, the world champion tier, which Tommy Temper is at. Get yourself a wingy boxing t-shirt, freshly made to order. I'm on very good terms with the t-shirt company. I'll say, look, make that, make that, make that. And they'll do me one off really, really crisp, governor. You get the old classic wingy boxing podcast, the one that like I've done in 2017, 2018, where I sound a lot younger and a lot more really weird, those are. But they go up there. The classic UK Wing Chun student videos. Go and check out the tier, patreon.com forward slash wingy boxing. And remember, if you're a gamer, check me out at the glory of Xbox on YouTube. Cool, wicked. That is this week wrapped up. We managed to do it. We got out there. We've done our thing. All good, all jiggy. I'm off now to record the live show. And I will catch you guys next week. Be good. Behave. Only surround yourself with quality people. Don't be brought down by negativity that you see on YouTube, boxing related, or in the comments section. Remember, your life is more important. Your happiness is more important. Your family's happiness is more important. Don't let anybody bring you down. Enjoy your sport. Enjoy your life. And be good. Behave yourself. Peace. I mean, the footwork, a lot of gliding around that ring, hitting him with jabs at will, touching him, explosive with it. It was like shades of Arlene the way he was moving. moving.